starting from uh, a previous Bible that I used to have, and I still have, and it's got all kinds of notes in it. But unfortunately, that Bible looks worse than this one, so I don't use it any longer. I think it's time for me to replace this one now. But the story here really requires us to go back a little bit further than where we started today. We see here Jesus inviting Andrew and Philip to join him, and then he goes and calls Nathaniel, and Nathaniel has some issues about who Jesus is and where he is from. But more importantly, we can look at the responses of these two men, one to another. But in order for us to get a better and clearer picture of this, I need us to go back a day and see what happened. So for that, let's turn to the earlier day. We're going to go to verse 29 of the first chapter of the book of John. And we're going to read a few verses to prepare us for verse 43. 29th verse of the first chapter of John. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist now. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day, they follow him now. John was there again with two of his disciples. He saw Jesus passing by. And once again he says what? Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. About the tenth hour, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. 
Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him we had found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. This story here now is three days. Not the one day. We've gone back and we've covered two more days. So, John declares Jesus as the Lamb of God, the one that is prophesied about. In front of everybody. Now, the day following, John is sitting with two of his disciples, and he sees Jesus walking by, and he says to the disciples, what? Behold the Lamb of God. Verse 37. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed and Jesus, they followed Jesus, and Jesus said, What do you want? I need us to stop here for a moment. Examine a couple of things. I want us to examine John the Baptist and his attitude. The people that he's sitting with, the men that he's sitting with, are disciples of whom? Of Jesus? They're his disciples. They are his disciples. And rather than lifting himself up, he says, that is the Lamb of God. And an activity takes place, an action takes place that is one that needs examination. One, what happens, what do the two men do? Do they sit there with John and say, oh yeah, cool, that's the one we met yesterday. And they allow Jesus to keep on walking. Is that what happens? No. What happens? They get up and they follow Jesus. Until that time, what was the plan? What was the expectation of these two disciples? Did they plan all along that we're going to stay here with John the Baptist, we're going to follow John until such time that we find somebody better. Is that what disciples do? You know, with uh, music, the uh, Noe, our uh, minister of music, he took lessons, piano lessons, he took uh, lessons for uh, reading music, then eventually started to learn how to play the organ. But you can read the music, in Indian music, they don't have the Indian music written down so much. What they do instead, is they have a teacher who teaches. And that teacher becomes so honored, almost like a parent, in some cases honored more than the parent. And when that student learns the music from that teacher, they learn all the various rods, or they're learning percussion, they learn the beat. And every time they see that teacher, they touch their feet. Every time they meet them. Every time they go and perform, they give credit to their teacher. And you won't see them ever shifting to another teacher, ignoring them. They'll ignore them, but if they have to go to a higher teacher, they will always acknowledge their first teacher. You don't become a disciple in order to reject the teacher. But here's a very interesting uh,
dynamics taking place. What happens? These two, without a word, without a thought, get up and they follow Jesus. What happened to their plans that they had with John the Baptist? What happened to them? They took those plans and they set them aside. This is a requirement of discipleship. When you choose Jesus Christ, no matter what my plans may be, no matter what my expectations may be, I have to take it, set them aside. This is something we discuss when uh, we have relationships with people as well. You can be a single person and have all these ideas about you're going to go on holidays and you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to end up uh, buying a fancy car or whatever. But when you become married, what happens to your plans as a single person? Arish, why do you smile like that? Huh? Your plans do a little bit of shifting, don't they? Now you gotta get another opinion. And in some cases, not all, one of the two becomes the leader and the other kind of follows along. Alright. So now, Harish doesn't have to make any decisions about what he's gonna do. Why? Because he might tell him what to do. But you have to give up the plans when you make changes and commitments. And these people gave up whatever their plans were and they began to follow Jesus. Now look at the attitude of John. Does John say, whoa, wait a minute, wait, what? what about me? Is that what John does? The responsibility for a believer who plans to be and work for God is only this, that you bring people to yourself in order that you may project them to God. We are not the attraction. We are not the destination. We are only the bridge. We are only the transition to bring people to introduce them to God. That's all we are. And when John sees that happen, is he unhappy about it? No, no not at all. He lets them go. Now, what was the response of Jesus? Jesus said, what do you guys want? And they said, where do you live? They didn't say, oh, Jesus, we've got a question. Where do you live? That was the question. They wanted a deeper relationship. It's not like, well, here's my card, give me a call when you have some time. What did Jesus say? I live over there, I live over there, and you can go down the street and you come down there. I'm staying temporarily, but whenever you got some time, go. And it's said, come. He said, come and see now. He takes them with him and he spends the day 
teaching them about the plans of God. As soon as they learn from Jesus Christ, I want you to look at verse 40. And here's what happens. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Verse 41. The first thing, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him. Question comes up for me and for you. When you found Jesus Christ, who was the first one that you told that I have found Jesus Christ? Who was the first one? Now you're scratching your head and thinking, who was the first one? I can't remember. And to be honest, some of us have to answer, answer that question and say, well, uh, I haven't yet found the first one. Is that possible? Is it possible that I found Jesus and after I met Jesus, I haven't yet found the first person to tell yet? I'd like to submit to you that it is not possible to find Jesus and not tell someone. It's not possible. And if I haven't told somebody that I have found the Messiah, the likelihood is that you haven't found him at all. Is that too strong for me to say that, Sister Annie? If you have found Jesus, God and the Spirit of God will lead you and make you want to share that good news. But we haven't become part of that good news if we don't have the desire to tell that good news. I gave you the example a few weeks ago, one of my tenants who uh, rents a uh, car repair shop and uh, he called me when they uh, guess what, guess what, guess what what I want some money on a scratch ticket I said what's a scratch ticket he says you know, uh, he explained what a scratch ticket was he said I want some money guess how much, I said I don't know thousand, two thousand, he said fifty thousand dollars now I'm just a landlord and he's not the best tenant, but he's a good guy. But he was so excited about the $50,000 that he's even going to call me and tell me he won $50,000. Do you know how many other people he must have told? When something wonderful happens to us, we can't help but start shouting about it and telling about it. We become a transformed person. And you and I have to answer that question. Have we become transformed? And if not, have we really found Jesus? The other part that's very important to remember 
is you and me introducing somebody else to Jesus Christ may be the cause for a great discovery of a soul, of a person who may become a giant in the Word of God. There may be somebody out there who does not yet know God, who has not yet been transformed, who can be a great instrument for the Word of God, who is waiting for you or I to bring him to the knowledge of God. Because look who Andrew brought. He brought who? His brother Simon. In the book of Acts, in the New Testament, there are two giants of the new church. One is the Apostle Paul. Who is the other? Peter. If Andrew had not brought his brother Simon, who was Peter, we would not have that giant of a man who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And who was the leader of the first church. And who became an influence only equaled by the Apostle Paul. Peter was to the Jews a missionary as the Apostle Paul was to the Gentiles. Is it possible that there's somebody out there that I need to go and talk to and bring them into the knowledge of God that God can use who may be a giant for the future of God's work? And as Peter was, Jesus knew who he was going to be. Called him Peter. He says, Your name is not going to be Cephas. You're Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can any good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. Nazareth was a little town about four miles from uh, the home of uh, these gentlemen. And Nazareth had a bad reputation. And not only did it have a bad reputation because of the citizens of the town, but it so happened in Nazareth was also a Roman garrison. Where the Romans had their soldiers, it was like a big camp military camp. And when the soldiers are working there, doing what they're supposed to do, when they're not working, they're where? Out being wild and crazy, drinking, making trouble. 
a bad reputation because of its relationship with Rome and the soldiers and the citizens themselves who supplied the needs of the garrison of the Roman army. It's a terrible reputation. I know that it's hard for us to imagine Nazareth like that. Because if you want to think of Nazareth as a nice, quiet little town where our Lord grew up, but part of the point that God selected this town for Jesus to grow up is to show us and to prove that irrespective of the environment in which we live, we can also become righteous. Jesus grew up in a town where you cannot expect anything good to come out of. I remember when uh, I lived in uh, London for a few years, and then of course I had an office downtown Toronto for many years. When people asked, where did you grow up? And you tell them, Oshawa, everybody feels bad for you. What? Oshawa? Oshawa didn't have a very good reputation. I'm not sure it still does. Likewise. A terrible town. But, what is the proof that Philip gives? He doesn't argue. He doesn't debate. What does he say? Come and see. Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is no false. How do you know me? Nathaniel said. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe? Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This last line makes reference to Jesus. Makes reference to Jesus as the bridge between heaven and earth, between the holy and the unholy. Just as you remember the dream or the experience that Jacob had, the ladder, angels coming up and down. That was a prophecy, a reflection on the coming of Jesus Christ, through whom we have access to God. Jesus here prepares his earliest disciples to tell them that if you think that my knowing who you are and where you have been and where you have come from, if you think that is something to be amazed by, you wait. You will see the evidence that I am the connection between this earth and heaven. My friends, we who profess to be Christians, who carry the name of Christ, this is our title. 
This is that type of thing. Who carried the name of Christ. We need to be able to share who Christ is. That others may come to Him. In order that they may go to God in heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. The only way to salvation. If there are those that we know, there are those that we love, we need to let them know, we need to let them understand that Jesus is the only way. And you know, the first thing that these disciples did, both while they were the ones that were with John earlier, you saw that? Who did they go to? Their family and friends. The second batch of disciples, the same thing. Their family and friends. You and I need to look deep into our hearts. Think about it. Who is it in your life? Friends that you spend time with, that you hang out with? Family? Colleagues that need to know about Jesus Christ? You don't need to get into debates with people. Just invite them. Come and see who Jesus is. Let them read the scripture for themselves. Now we too may become part of the kingdom of God here on earth to spread his word. Our prayer for you is the same as it is for myself. That God give us the strength, that God give us the desire to share His love with those around us, that they too may participate in salvation with us. God bless you. Amen. The peace of God, that passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds.